Hi, it's Allegra, here with your dose of modern life, healthier, easier, more fun. On today's show, I'm going to give you my easiest tip for making every day fantastic. Then we're going to catch up with my friend Angela, who, if you recall, left the only employer she's ever had for over 20 years in order to pursue her passion. Then I'm going to give you a tip on how to eat healthier and how to help your kids eat healthier. And by healthier, I mean eat vegetables. All this and more after the tunes. We're back. And now for my tip on making every day fantastic. I once heard a speaker talk about how even when something bad happens to you, that it's important not to become a victim because when you think about it from a victim point of view, you give away your power. And I thought that this was a very powerful idea, the idea that you always have power and that you need to embrace that power in order to make something that is bad into something that is good. I don't know why, but for some reason, one day I said to my husband, hey, I hope you have a great day. And the language choice struck me as, you know, kind of being a little bit victim-y sounding. I hope you have a great day. And I said, I said, you know what? Never mind. Forget that. No, make it a great day, which is all about embracing your power to affect your day. Well, many years later, we had a child and there were just days when she seemed to wake up grumpy, but I had already had this epiphany about having the power to make every day great. And so when she was old enough to start understanding this, I think, you know, it was around two or three, I said to her, honey, Are you going to have a good day or a bad day? Because it's your choice. And of course, she would always say, I'm going to have a good day. Because when you have a choice between good and bad, what are you going to choose? But I think so many of us give up our power in terms of having a good day or a bad day. And we think either a good day happens to us or a bad day happens to us. But the reality is, is, While you can't control what happens to you, what you can control is how you react to it, what your mindset is. And if you choose to have a good day, then no matter what happens, every day will be fantastic. So try it out. I'd love to hear how this simple switch, this shift in how you think about your day affects you and try it out with your family members to this at this point it's become such a big part of our family's conversation that if my husband or I are grumpy our child will say to us mommy did you choose to have a good day today and it instantly shifts me because it reminds me that I have the power coming up next hear what my inspiring friend Angela has to say about surviving her catastrophic car accident, and pursuing her passion. After the tunes. Hi, world. I am here today with my friend, Angela. Hi, Ange. How are you? Very well. Hey, Allegra. 
Now, for those of you who have been following Angela's journey, I asked her to join us for a couple of reasons. One, she is just she's one of my soul sisters, so I just love having the opportunity to talk to her. But also, she has just left the only employer she ever had. She worked for that employer for 20 years, and she took an early retirement package at the end of 2017 and has been pursuing her passion. However, As you can probably imagine, figuring out one's passion is easier said than done, and she's agreed to allow me to document that process. But another thing that I wanted Angela to be able to discuss is that Angela was part of a catastrophic car accident. She was a party to a catastrophic car accident. Mm, Is it seven years now? Six, seven years? Um, Well, 2007, 2012. Six years. Six years. Yeah, not that long yet. Mm -hmm. Six, Six years ago. And has just been such an inspiring person to watch, you know, just recover from that kind of accident, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And so if you have any questions for Angela about those things, feel free to write in. But for now, I just wanted to add on to her story and say that, you know, since your car accident where you lost your five-year-old son, JT, you have had another child. You have a wonderful daughter named Millie, right? Yes, she's awesome. And she is almost three. And Almost three. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to ask you, so are there any leftover day-to-day physical issues from the car accident that you still have to live with? Yeah, yeah. As I, as I like to say, it's a uh, sort of the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> when, you wish it, when you wish it would stop. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about the, the injuries previously, but you know, I, I broke my neck in the accident. Um, fortunately I am able to walk. Um, and I also, um, um, had significant head injury, uh, in the accident. So that left me with some, you know, some physical as well as some cognitive, um, opportunities, we can call them. Um, <laughs> like what kind of cognitive <laughs> opportunities? So, so, you know, it's, uh, multitasking isn't as easy as it used to be. So yeah, mm-hmm. this alternate, so they say we can't really multitask, we alternate attention. So it takes mm-hmm. me a little bit long to, to get from alternating from one, one um, activity to another in terms of uh, tasks that I'm doing. Um, you know, I could be speaking and and be looking for a word that's like on the tip of my tongue, but I can't really, you know, I can't pull that word out. What is that word? I I know it. I, I've used it a ton of times, but it's just not readily at my disposal. Mm -hmm. Um, That's sort of the fundamental gymnastics that I get to go through. It's sort of extra exercise. um, I like to call it. And then, you know, you know, physically, you know, you get the aches and pains, but you, you sort of deal with it. Right. Well, and I just want to clarify since this is radio, right. So people can't see you. Right. If you didn't know Angela previous to the accident, you might not notice anything different about her. She does seem to walk much straighter than everyone else because you have, right, that iron in your neck. I've got some, I've got some rods that sort of holding yeah. me straight. The rod that's holding, yeah. But other than that, you would never know from looking at Angela, from interacting with Angela, that she had been in this very, very serious car accident. So I just want to point that out to people since they can't see you physically. Okay. So you had asked me to help you out with your thought process on pursuing your passion. So I'm wondering what's been going on lately in this, in this area of your life. 
Yeah. So really interesting. Um, not too long ago, I had a call from a former coworker and he sort of asked me, Hey, listen, let's have lunch. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So I went up to our uh, old offices and sort of sat down with him. We, we talked for a while. And uh, the next thing I knew, you know, we were chatting about um, you know, what his next steps would be. He was, I was actually coaching him and giving him advice and sort of mentoring sort of felt like executive coach work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, some other folks who I'd worked with before had heard that I was going to be on the campus and have set some time up with me. So literally it was sort of back to back hour after hour, you know, on the hour, I was uh, chatting with folks about what their goals were, uh, what they wanted to do, how they wanted to achieve them. Um, and it, and it was just sort of phenomenal because it was really exciting to do. It's like, wow, this was a really exhilarating afternoon. And if I think back to when I was working in that same sort of space in the same office building, if mm-hmm. I would have been meeting, sitting in the same space from 12 noon to 4 p.m., I would have been exhausted. But this was really energizing, sort of helping people and empowering others and helping them reach or think through some of the, some of the um, next steps and and um, leadership challenges they might've been having uh, at the time. So that was pretty fun. Wow. Office hours, on-site office hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to make a habit of it at my right. own office. <laughs> You'll need like the little jar that Lucy had, right? You know, her little psychiatry from peanuts, her little psychiatry <laughs> setup that she had with her five cent can or, or whatever. You got it. You got it. Well, that sounds great. I think, the fact that it gives you energy is a really great sign in terms of this could be something that you do as a profession. That's great. Yes, very well could be. It was um, sort of a light bulb went off um, while I was doing that. And um, even on my way home, I got another call from someone and I ended up coaching, coaching them on, a, on an issue uh, as well uh, that day. So it was a pretty awesome day. Pretty awesome day. Well, it sounds like you were getting a lot of messages from the universe <laughs> about I, coaching. Exactly what I was thinking. Well, you know, another thing too is that I, as a solopreneur who focuses on my passions, and solopreneur is the definition of a business that has one person in it, which is actually the vast majority of entrepreneurships are solopreneurs. I, I think the number was like 75 or 80% when I heard it last. But what I have found as a solopreneur who works on passion projects is that you have to get comfortable with pivoting because, you know, it's a journey. It's not a destination. (laughs) Right. And so I think that sounds like a great start and you just got to, you just have to see where it takes you and and be prepared to pivot. Right. Cause that wasn't exactly where I was headed um, or what I envisioned. Um, I, I knew I wanted to, you know, empower others, um, whether it was, I didn't know what that really looked like, but working with people. And I know I wanted to do something around still using my, my learnings from the corporate American business, um, and sort of helping people. But I, that was just sort of a new experience to be sort of freed of doing that work as an employee of a company in my day-to-day work and actually just doing that to help someone get to where they needed to be in that particular moment, whatever issue they had. So it was, it felt really good, but it's a little bit, um, as you said, this, this piece of, of sort of having 
to understand where you're going and pivot a little bit. Um, this uncertainty after working in such a, I wouldn't say what I did was a, a field of certainty, but it was an area which you sort of knew what was coming next. Um, and this passion piece sort of, I'm having to, to get comfortable with the uncertainty, which is a new, new skill set, a new muscle to flex. Well, I think the uncertainty comes from the fact that you were in a very top-down environment, right? So someone makes a decision, maybe they had a lot of uncertainty to deal with, but by the time it hit you, you had a lot of certainty because they said, you have to do this, execute on it, right? Whereas now you're yeah, the well, one living with the uncertainty. Yeah, well, there were, I mean, there were times where, you know, I was building strategy, but the, the idea is, you know, you had about maybe 80, 75% of the, of the, of the data, right? Mm -hmm. And then you had significant experiences over time that suggest that you that you had learned over time. So you sort of knew how to operate. And then and this place of this entrepreneurship being so new, like it, it's new. This is sort of a new endeavor in which I, I'm not skilled up in. Um, and so it's it's fascinating um, to see the ambiguity and the ability to make the decisions. 100% make the decisions yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I once heard this story about a general who, when they are planning for war, he said, you know, the plan itself wasn't useful. What was, what was really useful was just going through the practice of the planning, but that at the end of the day, once they were done with a plan, they would have a single mission written on the front page of the plan that was the only thing that needed to happen right so you know let's just let's just say right <laughs> you have to capture a piece of military equipment right so it doesn't matter what happens along the way if you don't get that piece of military equipment then you all all is for naught so i think with the passion projects and passion entrepreneurship you need to figure out what that one thing is for you. What one thing do you need to accomplish for this all to be worthwhile for you? And sometimes it'll be a business, right? It could be, I need to make X amount of dollars a month for this to be worthwhile to me. Sometimes it'll be a lifestyle thing. I need to be able to spend this amount of time per month with my children in order for this to be worthwhile to me. But you just need to figure out what that one thing is. That makes perfect sense. Um, as I think back, on my experiences in corporate America, where um, several years ago, a gentleman came in and brought in sort of the idea of the four disciplines of execution and, and sort of helping us identify what was that wildly important goal that we had to accomplish. Uh, and if we did a whole bunch of other stuff, but didn't get that one thing done, then as you said, it was all for naught. There was no reason to be in the game. Um, and so when I think through you're really a, approaching this opportunity that it's been afforded me to be an entrepreneur, just really to sit back and say, what's the most important thing? That if that is not accomplished, um, that I've wasted the opportunity. Well, sounds I like think that's, a, yeah, sounds like homework and that <laughs> we can pick up the conversation there next time. So for those of you who are listening, feel free to write in if you have any questions for Angela about any of the things we've discussed. If you go to my website as well, allegraramos.com slash podcast, you can see the topics that Angela has said she is comfortable answering questions about. So you can write in to hello at allegraramos.com. And you can also download the free Anchor FM app and do a call in where you record a voicemail message that I can play on the air, which is always really fun to respond to. Thanks, Ange. Talk to you soon. 
Bye, later today. Coming up next, my tip for getting everyone in your family to eat more vegetables. After the tunes. We're back. And now for my tip on eating more vegetables. You know, I went years without eating a salad, without eating a fresh piece of fruit. In fact, when I was in college, I lived off of frozen pizza and breakfast cereal. (laughs) And when I tell this to people who know me now, they're shocked because I eat so healthy. I eat so many fruits and vegetables. And it's been, you know, 20 years since I made the commitment to eat healthier. And it seems like I'm constantly getting healthier every year. I'm getting a little bit healthier, a little bit healthier, a little bit healthier. But I remember when I finally got to the point where I realized that, you know, the only way to eat enough fresh fruit and vegetables was really to eat a salad every single day. And so I made a commitment to myself. I was going to try and eat a salad every single day for a month. And the big shift for me came when I discovered that I could eat kale raw because I have I have texture issues. If you've seen any of my cooking tutorials, you'll hear me talking about the fact that I have texture issues. I like really crunchy things. And part of why I didn't like salads were because they were always so soggy. Well, when I discovered that I could make salads with raw kale, that was a game changer for me. And I've kind of never looked back. I am a huge kale salad eater. I love kale salads. And what really helped me beyond figuring out what my texture issue was with salad, was committing to eating salads every day for a month. Because after about a month, you start to get used to it. It starts to become a habit. Everyone's different in terms of how long it takes you to actually form a habit. But I can tell you that at this point in my life, if I don't eat a salad for a couple of days, I start to crave them because I know it makes me feel so good. So fast forward to having a child and, you know, when before she started eating solid foods, it was hilarious because I would be eating my salad in front of her and she would dive for my salad with both of her little hands. She just wanted whatever I was having because clearly I was enjoying it. So she would probably enjoy it too. So my child developed a taste for kale very young because she just wanted to mimic mommy, right? That's what kids are. They're mimics. So if you're eating something they're going to want to eat something. So that's tip number one on getting your kids to eat more vegetables. Tip number two is to not make substitute meals for your kids. Now, I completely fell into this too where you just get into this idea that kids need certain things like graham crackers. I don't know why, but for some reason, kids and graham crackers just seem to go together. (laughs) And not only did my child start eating graham crackers, but I started eating graham crackers. And then I had an epiphany. I was I was reading National Geographic and there was something to do with food and there were pictures of kids just eating the foods that their parents were eating because you know what in traditional cultures they don't have this tradition of kids eating you know mac and cheese and you know oat little oat o cereals and those crackers that look like fish right kids in other parts of the world just eat whatever their parents are eating because that's, what, that's what's available. And it also made me realize that if my child wasn't eating, even though I had this desire to make her eat, you know, I think it's just this inborn desire, part of being an animal, is we want to feed our children. But the reality is, is 
my kid is not going hungry. She's not starving. If she's not eating, it's because she's not that hungry. And so I said to my husband, I said, look, we just have to feed her, give her the food that we're eating. And if she doesn't want that, we can't offer her something else because she's not that hungry. So at this point, my child, who is almost eight, she has, she eats everything we do. And people are constantly surprised when they see my child eating enchiladas, kebabs, tzatziki, kale salads. But the reason why is because that's all that she's offered and she knows she's not going to get anything else. But she's also started to recognize what makes her body feel good. In fact, after a vacation recently where we didn't have any salads because, you know, we were on vacation and we're just eating, you know, lots of junk food. Because my rule is as long as we eat well at home, we can eat however we want when we go out. But we don't go out that often. That's that's a key too. But she was a little backed up. <laughs> she was having trouble going potty. And I said to her, honey, I said, honey, here, have a cucumber. And she had the cucumber and, you know, everything felt better after that. Everything moved easily. And now she started to recognize what her body needs at the tender age of eight. And I will see her reaching for cucumber, celery, carrots, apples, on her own because she knows that her body feels good when she eats that way. So those are my tips for getting yourself to eat more vegetables. You know, figure out what vegetables you like. You know, you don't force yourself to eat something you're not going to like because that's just painful. But if you like cucumbers, eat those. If you like celery, eat those, whatever it is. But eat enough of them so that, you know, you're getting a good amount of roughage. And commit to eating them every day for 30 days so that you form that habit and your body starts to crave them. Then in terms of getting kids to eat more vegetables, don't make them substitute meals. It's very important that they learn to eat what's in front of them. Thanks for tuning in today. If you thought the show was fun or useful, please let me know by leaving a comment at iTunes or wherever else you subscribe. It means more than you know. And you can leave a tip too at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Allegra Ramos. I have great thank you gifts for my supporters and look forward to when I have 500 Patreons so I can hire an editor to provide you with even more great content. If you'd like to submit a question, you can email me at hello at allegroramos.com. That's A-L-E-G-R-E-R-A-M-O-S.com. Or download the free Anchor FM app and call into my show so I can play your question on the air. I'll see you next time for another dose of modern life, healthier, easier, and more fun. Until then... Be a spark in the world. Over and out.